Welcome to Political Point of View on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. In this program, we talk with politicians of all types, of all sorts, from local government through to central government, and including aspiring candidates. Sit back and enjoy. Hello listeners, today is another day of political point of view with Graham Priest. Today's guest, Chris Bishop, National MP from Hart Valley. Uh, Chris, there's been a bit of a problem within the party over the last couple of days. What's happening? <laughs> well, um, you know, obviously everyone listening uh, will have uh, seen the events of last week. Um, basically, uh, a motion of no confidence was moved um, on... Uh, I can't remember the exact day, I think it was Thursday, um, after Judith Collins uh, moved a, uh, well, um, he had a press release on Wednesday night, reporting his vote uh, from Bridges, um, I was in action from five years or so ago. Anyway, we had a caucus meeting on Thursday morning, uh, and um, uh, Simon, um, well, basically there was a motion of no confidence, and that and now we are um, having another focus meeting on Tuesday, um, so tomorrow, um, in order to uh, elect the new leader of the party. So I assume that the phones were running hot over the weekend. Oh, look, there's been a bit of calling around, no doubt about that. Um, and, uh, you know, look, it's important we get this right, isn't it? Um, because, you know, basically, there's been a lot of back and forth over the leadership and national over the last uh, four to five years, and I think... Everyone wants to get this one right, and we just go forward from here. And whoever we elect as a leader will be the next prime minister of New Zealand. I hope. Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's really important to make the right decision because potentially whoever it is could be prime minister at some point. Well, that that's exactly right. I mean, I'm, I'm very hopeful that the next leader of National will be the next prime minister because I believe they can win the election. So, um, yeah, no, it's going to be very important to get it right, and um, that's why people. Time and that's why we didn't do the vote straight away. That's why we've taken a bit of time to get it right. Okay, uh, did you listen to uh, Mr. Bolger at the weekend on Q and A? Yeah, I, I saw a brief um, excerpt of the interview. Yep, yep. Uh, what, what was your opinion of his comments? Well, look, um, Jim sort of a, a bit of a view around. Um, you know, sort of capitalism, I suppose you'd say, and, you know, how it's changed over time. And I think his views have, have um, you know, been a bit different to what his views were as National Party leader and Prime Minister from 1990 to 1997. So I don't necessarily agree with all of his analysis, um, but I suppose what I'd say is um, he's worth listening to because he's a respected uh, elder statesman of the party, obviously, and uh, former Prime Minister, and he keeps his finger on the pulse as to what's going on as well, so um, got enormous respect for Jim and uh, Joan, obviously. I did a public meeting up on the Cavity Coast oh, a few months ago and he came along and we had a chat, so it's good to see him. Mm, the interesting thing was that he made a comment about not winning um, party votes. Yeah, what did he say about the party vote? Well, I think you only won two seats on party votes. Well, one, possibly. Um, 
And that that was pretty well a disaster that cost the election, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we've got to get the party vote up, but of course that's all about the leadership and the brand uh, and what policies we put out there. Um, the, you know, if you get the party vote up, the election follows. Um, and so that's, that's a really take-home point. The interesting thing was before the last election, I ran a series of... Um, interviews with all the candidates of all the parties and they were all given the opportunity for a party spokesman for the party vote and um, also a candidate and the National Party refused to supply anybody for the party to to promote the party um, point blank refusal and I couldn't get anywhere at all um, and it seemed to me that they weren't aware of the fact there was actually two elections, one one for the party and one for the candidates. And it was very surprising, I felt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when was that during the campaign, was it? Well, it was prior to the campaign. I organised for... All the parties had the opportunity for a quarter of an hour to promote their own party and the candidates all had 20 minutes to promote themselves. Um, and, yeah, it um, didn't gel with the National Party. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's not good. Well, I was, I was astounded, um, and particularly in the event that you had a very strong candidate up here that didn't, didn't do very well. Well, he did pretty well. He did very well, actually, old Tim Costley, but he didn't quite get there, did he? No, he didn't get there. Um, and he was, in my view, an outstanding candidate. And um, it was a shame that the party didn't give him some backing in that regard. However, this is history. My advice is don't repeat it. <laughs> uh, well, we, we, we'll try not to. Um, but well, I, I, hear, I hear where you're coming from. Yeah, well, all, all the other parties... Uh, grabbed it as quick as a robber's dog. Hmm. Uh, what do you think of the current traffic light system for COVID control? Well, look, I think it's going to be a mess. Um, it's not at all clear what region, you know, what colour setting each region enters at. Um, I mean, for example, what, what region is, you know, what, um, what is Wellington going to enter at? Uh, what is the Kapiti Coast going to be? What is the South Island going to be? We know that Auckland enters at red, but what about everywhere else? Well, one of the problems that has suddenly cropped up in in our organisation here is that we don't have a full-time uh, person on the desk. So how on earth do we know if people are vaccinated or not? And we've got a, a shared stairwell, we've got a shared common area, and we've got shared toilets. Um, so for these sort of places, and the, there are thousands of businesses in exactly the same position, um, there doesn't seem to be any clarity on that. How do they yeah, I mean, it? it's, a, it's a massive mess. What, what would you suggest would fix it? Well, I just don't think there should be a traffic light system. Um, I think it's going to be way too confusing. It's way too complicated. Um, some, some individual businesses will want to use... Um, vaccination certificates and, and, and others will want to use vaccination um, mandates, you know, so they'll make their employees be vaccinated, but others, others will not. Um, and 
it should be over to individual businesses and organisations to decide that rather than the government. Um, so you've got this situation where hairdressers, you know, are going through all sorts of agony trying to figure out what to do and how it's going to work. Um, and you've got the, it's just going to be highly confusing and problematic. So uh, I just think we need those people to work it out for themselves. Um, we're going to have a very high level of vaccination. In fact, we already do. You know, we're at 92% first dose, 80 that's why single second dose. Those numbers are ticking up every day, um, slowing down a bit, to be fair, but still ticking up every day. You know, thousands of vaccinations being done. Um, I've actually just uh, been up here at the uh, Gurdwara Sahib in Nainai, which is the Sikh temple here. The Sikh temple, they're doing a vaccination day on Saturday. I've just been up here filming a video to try and promote it, because I had quite a bit to do with the temple here. Uh, and so, you know, there's lots of these vaccination events being run around the community. Um, uh, there's, I, I draft pockets of unvaccinated people. Uh, I do worry a bit about some of the areas in the huts, for example, that are um, unvaaccinated. The numbers up in Taika and Sally are not great. Um, parts of Wainui and Martha that are the same. Um, but, and so we've still got to make efforts to get those up. But I, I just don't think the traffic light system um, will be needed. I think it's going to be um, highly confusing. It will cause more problems than it will solve. Why do you think some um, areas, particularly um Maori and, and some Pacifica have been so slow to get vaccinated? Um, I think there's been quite a bit of misinformation out there and disinformation. Um, so, you know, it's, it's Facebook, I think, plays a role. Um, you know, I've been told by a lot of people, you know, that some of the stuff they read on Facebook is very concerning, and of course it's, it's all misinformation. Um, so that's worrying. Um, the vaccination rollout for Pacifica and Maori young people um, started later. So, uh, you know, obviously they kind of moved down on the age band. So, um, you know, 20 to 30 year olds were vaccinated last. And of course, the Maori Pacifica population skews towards that um, age range. And so they've had less time to get vaccinated. And of course, because they've had less time, um, there's been more time for misinformation to kind of populate people's news feeds. And, um, get into their heads. So I think that's part of the um, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, but, you know, you're now starting to see some quite good rates amongst Pacifica, for example, which is great. What, what's your position on vaccinating under-12s? Uh, well, if the science supports it, which it, it, it looks like it, it does, because um, you're getting, starting to see the approvals happen in other um, parts of the world, uh, so if the science supports it, we should do it. There are, the reality is kids can get COVID. Uh, it's highly unlikely that kids will die if they get COVID, but they can get very sick. And so vaccination works with kids as it does with everybody else. There's a lower dosage given to them. Um, but, you know, we vaccinate kids all the time for all sorts of things, measles, mumps, rubella. Um, so there's lots of, um, you know, lots of vaccinations we already give to kids, and I think if we can do it for uh, five to 11-year-olds, we can um, do it for them as well. Science supports it, and that's why we have an independent regulator in New Zealand uh, that is going through that process right now. Um, and yeah, it would be over to individual parents and, and families to decide. Um, but if they want to, then yep, they should do it. But if it's if kids under twelve are being vaccinated in other countries that have got a reputable medical system, why do we need to independently assess it? Well, I, I think I mean that's a good question. And I think uh, people do sometimes wonder about that. Um, I think it's really important from a public health point of view for New Zealand, from a reassurance point of view, that people 
know that we have our own independent scientists and independent medical experts here who go through our own approval process. Now, is it likely that New Zealand will not approve something that's been approved by the FDA and um, the United States or the MHRA and uh, the United Kingdom? Um, no, of course it's not, because if those guys have done it, it's entirely likely it will, will be done here. I would like to see it expedited a little bit, so you know, I think we should have a rule that if something's been approved by the FDA and the UK and the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia, for example, uh, you know, we can fast-track it here in New Zealand. Okay. Um, how about opening the border with Australia and a, and a bubble? Yeah, very keen on doing that, and it's just ridiculous that we haven't done it so far. Um, well, the government signaled that Australians will be able to travel here from May next year, um, which is way too late, frankly. Uh, there's no reason why they couldn't come before Christmas. Um, New Zealanders uh, are able to travel back from Australia uh, and just do a week's home self-isolation from January. Again, that should be happening before Christmas. There's thousands of New Zealanders stuck in Australia who want to come home, uh, and they should be able to. How do you think our relationship with Australia is <clears throat> going to be when they get the nuclear subs? Are we going to have to rethink our nuclear policy, or are we going to have to put up with a pretty abrasive um, reaction from Australia? Um, no, I think it'll be okay. I mean, Australia's been taking a different stance on foreign policy to New Zealand for some time now. doesn't mean that we're not very close friends and allies with them. We are. Um, but, you know, each country will have their own independent view of foreign policy, and that's likely to remain the case into the future. It's very important that we have our own independent view on the world stage. I can see that we need our own independent thing, but how well is that going to down, go down with the Australian Polly's, they're a pretty abrasive lot in my experience. Oh, well, I don't know about that. They're not that abrasive. Um, they, you know, they've got their own style of politics and we've got our own style as well. Um, you know, they, um, they'll, they'll cope with it. OK, so it's a case of uh, let's, let's wait and see, is it? Yeah, I'd say so. Is it time for us to rethink our policies on GMO and GE uh, for cattle to reduce our, our methane emissions? Look, I mean, I think the science on that is evolving, um, but it's very exciting, obviously. And you have seen some real um, advances, as I understand, and I'm not an expert on this um, area by any stretch of the imagination, but my understanding from talking to some people involved is that you do see some quite exciting uh, developments there and my understanding is that our laws are quite restrictive around what you can and can't do so I think it's probably fine for a bit of a look at that um, and uh, you know, I think part of the consensus actually that, that would be a good thing to do But it seems like our government doesn't have the same view Yeah I think the government's got to put that in the too hard basket to be honest so they put a lot of things in the too hard basket over the last few years um, but just add that to the list well, I keep pointing out that we've been using genetic engineering for years with selective breeding. Um, cattle and sheep beasts have really have very little relationship to what they were 500 years ago. And that's been by a process of selective breeding, which is genetic engineering. Yeah, that's right. So you would be quite comfortable with... Uh, 
expediting genetic engineering at least. That sounds remarkably sensible to me, Chris. <laughs> what's, what's the NAT's policy on um, allowing productive farmland to get get tied up in just simply growing credit, carbon credits and trees? Now, look, I'm the wrong person uh, to um, ask about that. I don't know a lot about that. Um, but, um, you know, we've got to make sure we retain our productive farmland for farmland. You know, we've got But it, it, it's rather devastating to see the quantity of farmland, good productive farmland, not not talking about scrubby hill stuff, that's being gobbled up by overseas companies just to get carbon credits. It doesn't seem sensible to me. Yeah, well, I, I can understand that. Um, but, you know, we've got our national carbon ob- climate obligations as well. Um, and, you know, ultimately individual landowners make decisions to sell. So, um, you know, that's... You know, you've got a willing buyer, willing seller. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, anything else that you'd like to bring up? No, look, I just want to say Merry Christmas to everyone listening and um, have a happy and safe uh, New Year. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting summer, I think. Um, we we started 2021 20, in good shape um, as a country. Um and, you know, we were COVID-free, basically, and we end the year with COVID, yes, um, and spreading around the community. And so just everyone needs to keep safe uh, and, um, you know, make sure they um, look out for themselves over summer and enjoy the festive season. OK, any comment on um, reserve bank rates? Well, I think interest rates are going to go up, aren't they? Um, you've seen that. Um, uh, that's been the It will indeed. Okay, Chris, been great to chat with you again, and we'll catch up with you at some stage in the new year. Okay, mate, good to talk to you. This, is, this has been another session of a political point of view with Graham Priest. Today's guest, Chris Bishop, MP from Hutt Valley. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Political Point of View on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. In this program, we've talked with politicians of all types, of all sorts, from local government through to central government and including aspiring candidates. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.